Hello, everybody. This is Caleb Heimlich, chairman of the Washington State Republican Party, with another episode of our WA GOP report. Our guest this time is Senator Chris Gilden. Senator Gilden, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing better than I deserve, Caleb. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So before we dive into some of the weighty political issues and uh, kind of go through what Republicans have been doing in Olympia and what we hope to do going forward. Uh, can you just give our audience a little bit of a background about you, uh, how you came to serve uh, the 25th Legislative District as first their representative and then senator? So kind of who is Chris Gilden and, and what drove you to get involved in politics? Yeah, great. So I um, represent the 25th Legislative District, which includes the Puyallup, Five, South Hill kind of areas. Uh, here in the Puget Sound region. Uh, came to Washington State originally in 1989 as a young private in the Army. I'm born and raised in Odessa, Texas. Uh, came up here in 89, and I've pretty much spent the majority of my life in this area since then. Uh, I did 23 years active duty in the US Army as an engineer officer, five combat deployments overseas, and uh, retired in 2016. Uh, married to Autumn for 28 years, and we have two adult children. That's great. And uh, thank you for your service. And what inspired you to kind of run for legislative office? So your first run was in 2018, is that correct? 2018, that's correct. So once I retired from the military, that was during the presidential election year. And so I had always wanted to get involved in the community because being in the military, I was moving from place to place to place and I never was able to put down roots. So I started getting involved with the local party and meeting people and uh, I would go out and help folks like Hans Zeiger or Melanie Stambaugh run for their particular campaigns, build signs or whatever I could do. And uh, the more I got involved and got to know the people and the issues, uh, the more I realized that, that I needed to get in and make a difference because in all my trips moving in and out of Washington State, you know, whenever I came here originally in 1989, Seattle was a beautiful place. You didn't see trash on the side of the road. You didn't see graffiti on any of the walls. Uh, it, it was a beautiful place. But over time, as I would leave and I would come back, um, you could just see the gradual decline and deterioration. And I tell you what, we've got to put a stop to it because it has just taken hold of our state. And I'm sure we'll talk about some of these issues, but really that is what got me involved. Yeah, that's great. Well, we really appreciate you uh, serving your community, appreciate you stepping up, running and kind of fighting for us down in Olympia. So yeah, getting to some of those issues, I think a big one on a lot of people's minds is this uh, vaccine mandate uh, with the deadline on Monday, uh, October 18th, as, as the governor is preparing to fire a lot of people. So kind of what have you been hearing from your constituents? What have Republicans been doing to try and kind of push back on that? Yeah, well, obviously um, not for mandates. You know, this is something that I firmly believe should be a personal choice between an individual uh, their family, their doctor, uh, all of that. We got a uh, report back, a survey of, of statewide employees uh, on Wednesday, and it showed that about 89.5% of all of the statewide employees that are affected by the mandate uh, are in compliance. So 
the different departments, you know, they're showing 10 to 15% are not in compliance at this time. Uh, or maybe they just haven't shown proof of compliance uh, to date. I expect the number will even out around five to 7%, something like that. But the one thing that I've been talking about is these mandates are gonna have real world uh, consequences. Uh, it, you don't just do this in a vacuum. We've got shortages in a lot of the different agencies uh, Department of Transportation is going to be hurting, you know, road maintenance, it could be, could suffer. But the one area that I've really got my eye on is our prison systems. Um, from the report that we see, I, they have pretty low compliance rates so far, and they're already understaffed. Uh, and so I think they're going to have real uh, staff shortages uh, come, you know, next week. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure how this is all going to play out. But uh, I would expect, I'll, I'll just make a prediction with you here today, is that I'm going to predict they're going to have really severe staffing shortages in our prisons. And our governor's reaction is going to be to release additional prisons, but prisoners because of those staffing shortages. Uh, you know, we saw that when COVID first hit, he released uh, 1,016 prisoners. We got a report back about a month ago from the Department of Corrections that of those 1,016 that he released, we already have seen after just one year, a 62% failure rate of those prisoners. So Caleb, that means that, that either they've committed a new felony offense and have already been convicted of that new crime, they're pending charges, or they've otherwise broken the terms of their release and they're back in jail. We don't need to go through a round two of this. Uh, we can predict this, we can see what's happening, and we can certainly avoid it. Wow. So for for those that are, is there anything that that can be done? Because I think that's what what we're hearing from from people across the state. From I have friends that are losing their jobs. They're leaving. Um, is that and they're saying, what are Republicans doing? So kind of what what have Republicans tried to do and been doing over the last several months? in opposing Governor Inslee's abuse of emergency powers, and then now this mandate? <laughs> this is one of my favorite questions that I get all the time. What are you doing for me? You know, why, why aren't you getting things done? I tell you, um, first of all, I encourage folks to subscribe to their legislators uh, email updates if they haven't already done so, because if you're not getting those updates, you're probably not informed of what all's happening. Uh, I try not to spam you, but, uh, I try to send out relevant uh, updates as, as, as they are needed. Um, so, so number one, get informed of what's going on. We compiled a list of all of the different actions taken by Senate Republicans just since uh, the emergency began or was proclaimed by the governor. Um, I was amazed at the number of letters that we've sent to the governor on the various different issues. The number of proposals that we've sent, sound proposals, logical proposals. This was just a, a, a listing of all of links to all of these different documents. And it was about 10 pages long, Caleb. Wow. So, and that was just from Senate Republicans. That doesn't count everything that the House Republicans have done also. So Republicans are out there. We're swinging the axe. I mean, we are chopping, uh, but we just need some more folks to help us. We've got 20 in the Senate right now 
Uh, we need 25 to get a bill passed. And so that's why these upcoming elections are so very important. We can count on uh, one Democrat to, that caucuses with us, um, but we need at least four more seats in the Senate to make things happen and just pass policy. Yeah, and that's so true. And that's obviously why I work so hard every day doing what we're doing and so many people across the state because we've got to get more people elected to make a difference in, in some of these areas. You already touched a little bit on public safety, which is a good transition into a couple bills that Democrats passed this legislative session that took effect over the summer. And we've already seen uh, the detrimental impacts of those. So can you just talk a little bit about uh, those police, so-called police reform bills and what can be done to kind of swing those back in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think everybody is probably by this time, you're very familiar with these police reform bills that we're talking about. House Bill uh, 1054, which was the police tactics bill, uh, 1310, which was the use of force bill. Uh, all, you know, but we have the mechanics to roll these back, right? Like, like we can go through and we can, we can, write up the, the bill that you know brings us back to reasonable suspicion as opposed to probable cause. We can do those things that will allow law enforcement to once again be the linkage between a person experiencing mental distress uh, and the mental health providers. Whereas right now they really are hamstrung, they can't do that. Uh, but you know, like I said, we've got to have the votes in, to be able to do it. Uh, so we're going to continue talking about it, but you know, it, it's it's more than just police reform that happened because you know we passed the legislature passed in a virtual session with very little public input all of these police reform bills. But one thing that nobody's talking about is they also passed prison reform bills in a virtual session with very little public input. We passed bills that either reduce sentences for crime or eliminated them altogether. Uh, we passed bills that allowed people to get out of prison early before their sentence is complete, before their program of rehabilitation is complete. Uh, it's called the Graduated Reentry Program. So you take those two together, prison reform, police reform, and then you also bring in the other part of our criminal justice system, which is our prosecutors. And what I see is Prosecutors in many areas, these are elected individuals, uh, many of our elected prosecutors are simply not prosecuting crime. Uh, in some areas, it's up to 50% of all of the cases that law enforcement brings to these prosecutors that they refuse to prosecute, Caleb. And that's just uh, completely unacceptable. So whenever you take all of this into account as a whole, police reform, prison reform, prosecutors not prosecuting. What we see is we just see a general sense, a spirit of, of lawlessness that has taken over our state. And we've got to turn that tide because right now criminals are thriving and law enforcement's just trying to survive right now. Wow. That's, uh, that's heavy stuff and, and a good reminder as ballots are now being sent out for local elections of how important those local offices are, whether it's Seattle city attorney and all the craziness in that race or county prosecutors, some up this year, some next year, 
or city council elections where you need to be voting for good people for city council that are going to be funding police officers because i would add kind of a fourth piece to what you're talking about when you've got cities and counties cutting police budgets in addition to uh, governor Inslee's mandates and the impact those are having on police officers we're reducing the number of law enforcement in keeping our communities safe so this is a a major uh, cause for concern a major issue and we've got to get people involved engaged supporting good local candidates and supporting our legislative candidates next year in 2022 uh, the last issue i wanted to touch on with you uh, given the the timeline of it and the upcoming deadline is the long-term care act and the long-term uh, care tax so for anybody that might not be familiar, can you just summarize what that is and then uh, kind of where we're at with that uh, policy that was pushed through by the Democrats? Yeah, so this was passed a couple of years ago and didn't really get much attention. Uh, this was one of those series of tax increases that was passed in the middle of the night uh, in, towards the very last day of session. Uh, so it didn't get a lot of, a lot of uh, play on, in the media. So this tax, it's a payroll tax that if you are a W-2 wage earner, uh, beginning in January, they will take 58 cents out of every $100 from your paycheck. Uh, and that goes on forever unless you have an approved exemption uh, from this particular tax. So if you earn $10,000 a year, it's gonna take 58 cents out of every 100. If you earn $500,000 a year, same thing. There's no cap, no limit. Uh, I expect coming up in the next year or so, if we're not able to stop this particular tax or roll it back, uh, that that 58 cents is going to turn into 63 and then 75, and it's going to continue going up, Caleb. But, you know, and really, at the end of the day, after you've vested into the program, which I think you have to uh, pay into it for 10 years to pull money out of it, you get a total benefit of $36,500 to pay for your long-term care needs. Caleb, that's that's not much at all. I mean, this, this is very minimal and it only pays at $100 a day. So let's take that 20-year-old who's gonna start paying into it in January. Let's say that they work for 40 years or for 30 years, and then they live 10 years before they need it, right? So 40 years. So if I apply the inflation rate from the past 40 years to the next 40 years, the value of that 36,500 becomes just over about $11,000. You're not getting much for your money here. So many problems with this. So uh, I signed on to a bipartisan letter recently and with 23 other senators, and we sent it to the, to the governor asking him to uh, delay implementation of this particular tax so that you know we can get things right because there's so many problems with it. Um, and we seem to be getting a little bit of momentum on that right now because uh, the Seattle Times editorial board actually came out in favor of delaying implementation. So hopefully this has some legs that we can actually get some movement on. Yeah, and for the the only opt out period that exists is now through the end of October, correct? So you can opt out at one point if you have an approved plan, which the law doesn't clearly define what it takes to have an approved plan. But if you have one, you can opt out now. 
but if if you miss this window, you're forced opt in for perpetuity, correct? Yeah, and the interesting thing about this is uh, I'm getting some feedback from folks who have done this. Basically, you go in, you create your account, uh, scan in a copy of your driver's license, and then answer a few questions. Um, do you have long-term care? Yes, I do. No, I don't. But the interesting thing is, uh, and they're probably going to have to do something about it retroactively, uh, there is no penalty for lying about that. So in theory, a person could go in and completely lie uh, to get an exemption from the tax, and, and there's, there's no penalty for it. Jeez. But uh, I would expect that they would try to correct that uh, later on. Yeah, well, hopefully uh, there's a, and it, as you said, not only the Seattle Times, there was a bunch of businesses, even some unions across Washington state signed onto a letter just saying this is poorly done. And this is, I think, one of the reasons we need more balance in Olympia. We need Republicans elected in the House and the Senate to provide a, that check, a balance on unchecked uh, majority rule because you get sloppy. And when you're working in the middle of the night, these bills get passed and there's unforeseen ramifications and just really negative impacts to our public safety, to tax policy across the board. So uh, any, any parting thoughts for our audience? Any, anything you would love to see people doing uh, over the next year as we work to get our communities and our state back on track? Yeah, absolutely. Is, you know, we've got elections coming up and these city council races, these school board races, this is the bench that you build to eventually run for higher office, right? So get out and help that candidate who espouses your values, who espouses your conservative values, because number one, make sure that you vote. Don't get discouraged. You know, we've had folks here locally that have won by 12 votes in some of these city council races. Uh, so your vote matters. Encourage other people to, to get out and vote. Um, another thing I'm gonna tell you is put your money where your mouth is. I get thousands of emails every year uh, from folks who are upset about this tax policy, that the other tax policy, comprehensive sex ed, uh, whatever the, the, the issue is. Uh, and sending emails to legislators is great. I appreciate it. Uh, but I tell you what, uh, it, it's easy to, to complain about all of these bills, but you've got to get engaged and get active and help good thinking conservative candidates get elected. Talk's cheap, elections are expensive, and elections have consequences. Uh, we've got to get out there Send, send a donation in to, to that candidate who espouses your values because the next tax that is raised, you're going to wish that you had supported the candidate who would not raise taxes, right? And then finally, the other thing I'll say to folks is don't get canceled by cancel culture. Speak the truth and speak truth without fear, right? Get engaged in the public conversation. Our principles, our conservative principles are not based on some theory or some thought. They're based on timeless truths that have been proven true throughout the course of human history. Stand strong and, and, and speak up for them. You know, the free market is one of the most incredible vehicles for prosperity that the world has ever seen. And that's, it's just a truth. Mm -hmm. So everybody who's coming in trying to engineer the economy and all of it, we know that free market principles work. 
We know that families are the building block of a successful society, right? We know that law and order and justice is essential for our society to remain true. And then I'll just finish off here. I was reading through a, a book recently, a lot about how our founding fathers uh, thought about the different issues of the time. And one of them was from John Hancock. And he says, I conjure you by all that's dear, by all that's honorable, by all that's sacred, not only that you pray, but that you act. So get out there and let's take our state back. Absolutely. Well, Senator Gildan, thank you so much, uh, first and foremost of all, for your service to our country. Uh, thank you for representing Puyallup South Hill, the 25th Legislative District well. We're excited to work and act alongside you for the next year and beyond to get good people elected at the local level, at the state and federal level, take our communities back, take our state back, take our country back. So thank you very much for everything you're doing. Thank you for joining us today. It's my pleasure. Thank you, Caleb.